Hello and welcome to Big Fields of Work. I have with me, as is becoming the new normal, Gareth Edwards over Skype. Hey Graham. Hey everyone. From Sunny Nelson in New Zealand. Uh, today is the day of rain. We have one a year and it's today. Great. Well timed. <laughs> Topic we want to talk about today is the death of ambition. Death of Ambition, Gareth, tell us a bit about how this was going to be a book you were going to write and then has continued to be a book you were going to write, which is sort of perfect <laughs> given the subject matter. Yeah, I kind of coined this phrase uh, maybe a couple of years ago and then killed my ambition and no longer had the drive to to finish the blog or the book or the course or whatever it was going to become. <laughs> What's the central thrust of the idea? The central thrust, I think ambition is a bit of a trap. (laughs) And I think it is a trap that I've fallen for. It's a trap that I've seen you fall for. It's this idea that if we try really hard and work really hard and possibly too hard, that we'll achieve something that's almost ill-defined, but there's a sort of mythical end goal to our ambition whether it's Mm. you know in the professions or the arts or in relationships i've kind of expanded it from just in work it's almost like this pursuit thing that Mm. will lead us somewhere and a probably won't and b and here's the kicker when it does it's not what we thought it might be (laughs) the reward (laughs) yep 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 um we sort of touched on this uh, in an earlier episode on uh, the dreaded P word productivity. Mm. And I think part, there's a couple of reasons I, I really wanted to, to jump into it now. One is that that, that thing of kind of, I would, I would call it ceaselessly striving, you know, mm. um, for something uh, ill-defined is, is it's kind of, revving right up into the red zone right now because everything's on pause like whether it's because you you know you're freelancing and there's less work around or um you're busy working harder than ever in your job but but with no clear like future for the whatever projects you're doing or the work you're doing there's this kind of like um refuge in productivity that we're all used to having that's now not so much of a refuge well wasn't it really curious i know a lot of people listening um will still be in in quite a a a strong lockdown and Mm. uh, here in new zealand we've had you know a brief period of returning to that and you know around the world and it was really curious like within days of essentially the apocalypse yeah the whole thrust seemed to become hey, here's an opportunity to go and do even more with your time off and, you know, write the novel or get really fit or take up knitting or learn how to make sourdough or whatever. Yeah. And it came with this immense, like it was almost like a a global angst that, oh my (laughs) God, I can't be doing anything. So now I've got to find other things to do. Hmm. And, you know, I'm not belittling how hard it is in lockdown or, you know, the need to sort of occupy and, and, and what have you, but it almost became a little too much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I think the, the the guts of that for me, and this and this is the other reason I wanted to kind of touch on this topic now, is that for me personally, I have recently realized quite how much I can't sit still. <laughs> um, and so if you can't keep striving in the way you're used to, because the way forward is unclear, and you can't sit still... That leaves you in an uncomfortable place. Literally. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've, you've got ants in your pants, as we yeah. would say back home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I want to throw a Ramdas quote at you to kick this okay. off. How do you feel about that? Excited. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Ramdas, who's one of those um, 60s and 70s kind of hippy-dippy gurus from America who... I just fucking love listening to. He always makes me feel like there's not a problem in the world. Um, and he had this quote that jumped out at me that I thought was relevant here. Okay. He says, most of us come out of childhood with the idea there's something wrong with us and that if we do good works, we'll make up for it. So Ramdas says, I don't think it's about balancing out that negative self-image with a positive. I think it's about getting neutral not I am good, not even I'm okay, just I am. Mm. So the thing that really jumps out of that, in terms of how you, you kicked this off this topic, you're saying kind of, you know, we're kind of striving and we don't even know why. For me, I think that's the why, is that on some deep down level, I'm convinced I'm not, I'm not enough. Yep. And in our current culture, the answer is, well, work fucking harder then. <laughs> well yeah and it's quite specific hey you know it's it's a direct descendant of the protestant work ethic <laughs> absolute you can trace it right back we are earning our place in a heaven we no longer believe in <laughs> put that on the book cover and then on the flip side you know if you're catholic then geez i mean you've just got a truckload of guilt to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis like you know you you kind of you deserve the worst anyway. So you kind of, I was going to say damned if you do and damned if you do, you know, it's there's no <laughs> way out of this. Um, I really like the quote and I really, I really like, particularly for, you know, characters such as us two, it's really important that we attend to our to-be list as much as our to-do list. Yeah. You know, I've seen your notepad. You've got like, scrolls of a4 pads that are essentially a sort of lifetime of to-do lists mm. from which you prioritize each day and you, you've mm. spoken about you know the, the usefulness of that in the past but i think for characters like us our to-be list is just as important and it is that that sense of i am that 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 settled um yeah reconnection so that's the bit that if i'm honest i have no idea how I was going to say, I've no idea how to do, but that's the whole point. I've no idea how to do <laughs> being, um, but I am experimenting. So I am about to take a break, <laughs> which is not something that I usually have in my lexicon. A, a breakdown, sure, but not a break. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm taking two weeks off and taking two weeks off from everything, including all the big field stuff I do. Um, which is funny because like 
two things. One, being very self-employed, you forget you can take breaks. Yeah. And you, and you don't feel you can because you sort of feel like you have to say yes to everything that comes in. Two, Big Fields Club itself has for a long time, for much of its existence, been a labor of love. And so you kind of feel you can't take a break from that either because there's all these people you want to sort of connect with. There's all this kind of... Um, you know the the, the 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 constant drive for growth when you're doing this sort of project, like a, mm. the, the feeling is you're only getting anywhere if you're getting bigger. Yeah. So you know all that stuff, all that kind of um, self pressure. Um, and I realized I, even though I can't go anywhere because I'm in fucking lockdown, I can just stop. <laughs> so I think I've you got half the answer. First, everybody, you heard it yep. here first. Let's monitor this. Just stop. <laughs> So I've got half the answer, which is I've got two weeks minimum that I'm going to just take off. Yeah. So I know what I'm not going to be doing. I'm not going to be doing work. I'm not going to be um, putting stuff out. I'm not going to be um, – I might do some writing and things, but not not with a deadline, not with a kind of yeah. purpose. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know what then I'll be doing instead, <laughs> if you like. So tell us more about being the to-be list. Well, well. before we get into that, I have got a devil's advocate question. Are you taking a break or have you hit the wall? <laughs> I hit the wall fucking three years ago. So, uh, you know, the answer is yes to your question. You are taking a break and you've hit the wall or? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I think there is a difference because if you've hit the wall... And then mm. you, you know, you see in the, you know, as as, as uh, we heard from Heavy, you know, you're in that red zone. You can see the alarm bells flashing, and you go, "That's it, I need time out." The important thing to remember is it's probably going to take you four days just to recalibrate physiologically. Yeah, yeah. So every retreat I've ever been on, particularly a long retreat, I've spent the first two days essentially asleep or horizontal. Yeah. So for full context here, not only am I taking two weeks. And not working, but I'm also going to uh, I'm going to do my best impression of a kind of at home meditation retreat for four days. Mm. Last year, I did this very profound four day silent meditation retreat that, exactly as you describe, I felt I really did get to that physiological stillness after four yeah. days of, of uh, loud protests within my body and brain. Um, so I can't do that now. I can't go to a retreat, but I'm going to try and do it at home. <laughs> We're going to see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, and I would say, and I guess, I guess this is something that I've cultivated possibly since the ambition really got killed, which was coming up for 10 years ago now, is this is why I think a lot of the spiritual and religious um, lineages have so much ritual. I don't think it's a particularly modern condition although it might be exacerbated by modern circumstances but i think all of us need help disconnecting from our own sort of internal drama yes. i really like that um is it total recall with with arnie schwarzenegger mm. and he's like he's on the tube or the train or whatever he's like you know adverts for holidays and it's like even if you go on holiday you're still there you know yeah. so take a holiday from yourself which is yeah. you know, the sort of yeah. central theme <laughs> And in a strange way, that's what you're after, right? You want to break from you. Well, this is something you said to me the other day that has actually been rattling around my brain in an interesting way. For me, I think it's 
I think I think it kind of manifests as I want to break from me, but but what it really is is I want to break from who I think I have to be yeah. to be safe in this world. Okay. And who I think I have to be to be safe in this world is constantly alert yeah. on fucking any possible threat, whether it be a physical threat like which way is the wind blowing and is that man down the street coughing outside his house and is that going to blow to my house and give me coronavirus? Or is it like social threat, like is this conversation going well enough? Am I doing everything I need to to make this person kind of comfortable and like me? And the work stuff on top of that. I often say, you know, feelings are a full-time job and then you've got your actual fucking job. <laughs> so I want to break from all of it. So, yeah, it is what you're saying of, of I'm kind of sick of being me, but, but, but I'm realizing at least I've got a little bit of the kind of kind voice in my head saying it's not me as a person. It's who I think I have to be to be safe and successful. Yeah, well, it's, it's how, you've, how you adapted at some point to your situations that is, you know, runs at 11 out of 10 and you kind of want to learn how to drop it down to a sort of steady six or seven. 11 out of 10 is not good enough, Gareth. That's, that's my gut response there. <laughs> um, I th- yeah, that, that taking a break from who you think you need to be is a, is a key component of this death of ambition. Because mm. I think the thing that I would add to, to Ram Dass, if I could be so bold, mm. is you, know, you might come out of childhood sure thinking that there's something wrong with you. But what happens at that intersection between childhood and adulthood, so adolescence, teens, puberty, all around that sort of murky space, hmm. is you really start encountering for the first time the sort of pigeonholes that your personality, your emerging interests and passions start to connect to. Hmm. So you arrive in adulthood with this kind of, it's like a weird compromise. Hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's things that we just all love to do as kids. And, you know, we've all got things that, you know, whether it's singing, dancing, running after a ball, you know, pretend, make-believe, drawing, all those beautiful things. Or even just thinking, problem-solving or whatever. And then you get to sort of adolescence and then you have to start choosing. Mm. And very quickly, your natural passions and interests get attached to this idea of what it should be in a real world, a real job all those kind of connotations. Like, so for me, as a musician, like I was quite happy just bashing away on the piano. And then all of a sudden, top of the Pops Hose interview. And slowly over time, I'm like, well, the, f- the true fulfillment of my interest in music would be to play top of the Pops. Yeah. And as part of me now, in my 40s, that still thinks that, even though top of the Pops finished about two decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of me waiting to play one of my songs and probably mime it because it was all mimed yeah. on top of the pops. And it's it's a weird thing. It's like this this kind of just this it's a real for me, that's the real um hallmark that someone yeah. gave me an idea that may or may not be useful to me. That's so it. And it's funny you say that because recently I found myself, you know, I'm I'm approaching my 37th birthday. And I feel like it's a it's a sort of an age, particularly at this time of in the world history, that you start getting a bit nostalgic. And so I I found myself kind of you know listening to because I was a musician all through my twenties. I travelled around the world and did that whole that whole musician life thing. And I found myself listening to old songs every now and then and, and picturing myself performing them because we you know we played some shows to thousands of people. Yeah. And um, 
I was sort of thinking back and imagining myself doing it, even though at the time I was fucking miserable. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's I the hated thing. touring. Let me just say, I hated yeah. it. But there's still a part of me now that's like, is that what I should be doing? And here's, here's, here's that bit that I was saying, that, that, that B part. Even if you're full of ambition, you know, and I met you, I think our first conversation was, hey, I've got this job in mental health that, you know, I'm looking for a bit of um, chat about. But I've also mm. got this opportunity to go touring. And I was like, go, go touring. Just go touring. <laughs> There'll always be jobs in mental health. So even when you get the thing that you think it should be, it often doesn't scratch the itch that you think it would scratch. It might have been great in other ways. And you spoke really nicely about, you know, when you're at sort of peak anxiety and can't function in a supermarket, you, you, you're able to step on a stage and really sort of, yeah, be yourself and... and mm use that kind of context to be legitimately anxious, if you like. Yeah. Anxious with a purpose. <laughs> yeah. So even when you get the thing you've been striving for, and I've got a few examples myself where I've got to a point where it's like, that's, that, that's what I've been after all my life. Hmm. And then you get it and you're like, that is so massively underwhelming. So there's something in what you, in that example. So, you know, you were happily tapping away at a, piano yeah. when you're a kid and then and then all of a sudden you get this kind of idea given to you of wow you should use that talent and achieve these things and be on stage and all the rest of it i wanted something something else i wanted to throw at you which is i reckon there's a difference between ambition and growth yeah so there's a reason like there's a reason i went traveling around the world and got on stage every night because uh it was kind of in me to do that and I had the opportunity to do that and it was fucking terrifying to do that in lots of different ways. And that in itself was a growth opportunity. Yeah. But that's different to ambition, which is which is like, well, we never we never reached these milestones in terms of records or we never quite cracked the mainstream or we never this or we never that. So I wanted to kind of tease out this idea between ambition and, 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 and growth. And so for me, ambition is that restless striving for approval. Mm. And it does track back for me to that Ramdas idea about your, this original kind of childhood lack. Mm. Um, so it's make something of yourself because you have something to make up for. Yep. Whereas growth, for me, growth isn't make something of yourself, it's just make something. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. I like, I like the, for me, the shift in that is, and this, this is very much my kind of um, path of like, the shift is have the experience of it. Hmm. You know, like you don't know this side of an experience. If that is actually something of interest, use, you know, and if you're being pulled towards it by the idea of, like you say, record sales or promotion or more money or something external to yourself, then you're not really focusing on the experience. You're focusing on what you think the outcome will feel like. Hmm. And I think there is a place for that. Like, I think there is a place, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've really got your heart set on high performance, then sure, you've got you've to be ambitious and you've got to be focused on the goal. And how many times do we ever hear that, you know, people in sports or the arts get there and don't like it and are like, that wasn't what I wanted. That's the opposite mm. of what I wanted. But I think if you're doing it for the experience, 
then you can't lose. Hmm. It's just an experience and you might choose to reflect on it. You might choose to do more of it or less of it, you know, and we, we both spoke the other day, you know, with songwriters, you know, our love is writing a song. As soon as we put that guitar back in its stand, you know, next to the couch, we're like, oh, shit, now I've got to do something with it. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, where's the microphone? Oh, gee, you know, just this burden of, you know, recording and distribution hoves interview, where really what yeah. we enjoyed was just sort of chilling on the couch, twanging the guitar. So connect this to, let's see if we can connect this to sort of the more everyday kind of striving like you've got your day job there are all these external reasons for you to have your day job yeah but we're talking about the layer underneath which i suppose is like the the attitude you're bringing to that like so if you want to think of it at, at the at the level of your everyday to-do list yeah do you get to the end of the day and always think, well, I could have always done more and I didn't and feel like shit? Or do you get to the end of the day and kind of find a way to uh, to not peg your self-worth on whether you did everything perfectly today? Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. It It, it feels a lot harder than the words you just said. <laughs> if you're constantly running that that perspective of you're not good enough by default, you know, it's very rare you get to a day and go, I achieved all my to-do list, I did everything, you know, excellently, now I can rest. I don't know if that happens to people who think they're bad by default. And especially when you add into the mix, as I'm saying, that we also just don't know how to rest. Yeah, I think I think there's a forgotten art. So, like, mm. you know, going back to your idea for this this sort of um, at-home retreat, when I've done that in the past, you know, and obviously I had to go off and learn these things, I've filled that time with ritual, you know. So I've gone off and um, learned how to do yogic fires. They're called, um, I've just forgotten the name. But anyway, <laughs> learning how to do, what are they called? <laughs> Haven. The Havens, yeah. What are they called? Haven, H-A-V-E-N. I'm sure it's not pronounced that way. That's the Mancunian version of the uh, the ancient yogic tradition. <laughs> um, but, you know, it takes a lot of time. Chanting takes a lot of time. Mantra takes a lot of time. You know, proper doing a yoga practice takes a lot of time. And I think that's the point. Yeah, well, this exactly. This brings me back to my question, which you did dodge, and I'm going to hold you to it, which oh, yeah. is how, what, what's on the fucking to-be list? If we're putting down the to-do list, are we having that break? What's on the to-be list? So if it was me, obviously it's all a bespoke program. Hmm. I would say if I had two weeks of downtime, the first three days would be essentially, <laughs> and I have to credit my little sister Laura for this, this is a hangover cure. <laughs> you sleep until you're hungry and you eat until you're sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Um, and... Yeah. and I think the challenge, you know, maybe for you might be the guilt that would come with that of non-productivity. Yes, and and by this point, it's kind of guilt by habit, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel like it serves you anymore. Yes, and it, and it's intellectually, I can see, oh, I have carved out this time. I have told, like, multiple people I'm having this yeah. break. It's not 
you know, I can see intellectually that it doesn't make sense to feel guilty, and yet there it still is. Yeah, and I think it can be helpful to, particularly if you're freelance and, you know, self-employed or whatever, it can be helpful to spend the time while you're sort of gorging on salty carbs on the couch waiting to nod off again that, you know, there's been times when you've put in the 12-hour shifts to meet a deadline. You've done heaps of, you know, yeah. I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't work too hard, especially this side of the hemisphere. Really? Oh, that's not yeah. the that's not the cliche. The cliche is like Australian and New Zealanders are more laid back. Oh, laid back, but hard working. Yeah, gotcha. I, I told somebody I told somebody yesterday, somebody I was working with one to one, and they were talking about their job and about, you know, the possibility of doing nine hour shifts. And I was like, that sounds hard, you know, that sounds over over and above. And sort of looked at me and I said, Well, you know, if you're in France seven and a half hours a day would be considered the maximum and that would be working very, very hard. Yes, and I think on top of that you add in um, and it, the way the economy has gone even before this year. Yeah. More and more people on casual contracts, more and more people um, quote unquote freelance even if you're actually working as a full-time employee. Yeah. Um, so that just precariousness of, of work, uh, I think it really does, it, it ramps up. So when we talk about ambition as kind of a desire for approval, I, I do want to name that for so many of us, approval means survival more and more because yeah. it, it just, in, just in material terms. And so there is that kind of layer. Um, but, but I do think what I've sort of been circling around recently is like you know we had this phase in western culture over the last maybe 10 15 years of of really like these kind of snake oil gurus talking about how to do the you know if you love your job you don't work a day in your life all that kind of instagram yeah um affirmation stuff and we can see through that because of you know as i say the nature of our economy is such we do need collective change to get that individual freedom you can't just suddenly decide you the rules don't apply to you however what i am interested in more and more is like how as you say even when you have the dream or what you thought was the dream it still doesn't fucking make you feel any better so so i guess i guess i want to the last bit of this conversation i want to Get underneath to that underneath layer of whatever it is you're doing, and you're doing it for all the reasons you got to do it. You got to yeah. earn money, you got to feed yourself, you got to feed your family, whatever. Underneath that layer, th- this kind of the the restlessness and, and the and the kind of uh, tightness and the like. The you know, Alan Watts says the he just he just punches his hand into his fist and he goes the of it all. Yeah. Um, if it's not like if if our job isn't to be the best fucking perfect version of ourselves, what is it? What is what are we here for? <laughs> yeah, but you just quoted the man himself. There is no reason to be here. Alamos <laughs> <laughs> says it over and over. There's no purpose here. Like we can play with purpose. We can say, oh look, I'm a musician or I'm an artist or whatever we want to be. But there's no inherent purpose. Go down just look at cats or dogs. They're not like they're not obsessed by this stuff. And I think the only thing that's the only thing that I find is useful for me that changing, and it's, it's still changing. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not the I am of Ram Das. Mm. Like, 
it's just the death of ambition. Yeah. You could carry on getting up, working hard, enjoying your life, being productive, being active, being neurotic. It's mm. the striving for something that you don't need, you're not even that sure will actually <laughs> give you the thing you want. It's that, yeah. You know, it's that smack in the hand. And here's the bit, here's the bit that, and the reason it's called the death of ambition. It's not the end of ambition. It's not how to reduce your ambition. It's the death because you have to mourn that thing. Hmm. And I think it goes, you know, it probably goes through the stages. Like at first, it, there's disbelief. You're like, the thing I think I wanted, I didn't want. I don't want, or it wasn't quite the way I thought it would be. Yeah. But then there's a sadness that comes. You've spent half your life striving for these things. You think they're meant to work. So you've mm. got to feel the grief of the loss. You've got to go, yeah, that's a huge part of my psyche or personality or whatever. Yes. That is now dead to me. Yes. And that's, that's, that's so a painful process. It. And and our habitual response to that grief so often is to find more work to do. <laughs> find another email to respond to. <laughs> find another... So one of the things we've spoke about in the past, and it's certainly something I advocate for a lot, um, you know, when I'm working in groups or individuals, is is to balance out this this over reliance on cognition, intellect, logic, and find some embodied practices that essentially turn that down. I mean, the classic is meditation which I think mm. is incredibly hard to pitch to people who are essentially obsessed with their own thoughts anyway. Like you, Yes, you so it's of, very in the head. Yeah, deep end stuff. Potentially. So I remember mm. like, you know, back, back when I was in the city, back when I was in the rat race and, you know, was full of ambition and I had five jobs and all the rest of it. One summer I knew I had to stop. I could feel myself falling apart. And I was scared, mm. you know, because when you've got the kind of range that we have and, and people listening have got, it's like, we don't just hit a wall. We smash through it, dig a hole, get under a rock, yep. and, you know, things are catastrophic. Yep. So those kind of warning signs have to be taken seriously. And one year I was like, I just need to find a way to not go in that office and turn on that computer and do all the things that I think I need to do. And mm. um, I went and bought a $20 ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you could do anything you want as soon as you've learned six chords on the ukulele and and a dozen songs you could sing without looking at the words. So that's quite beautiful because that's almost tricking yourself. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I will give you a to-do list, but the to-do list is all ukulele based. Yes. <laughs> but you know, so it felt, it felt nice. Like that urge was like, oh, well, I'm being productive and I'm a musician. So this is like an asset and blah, blah, blah. But what yeah. I what I think I knew, maybe unconsciously at the time, is like, this is going to be me spending hours in flow, in concentration on an artistic thing that definitely, mm. will, I don't think there's ever been a ukulele on top of the pops. So it's definitely not buying into that whole thing, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, I just knew that I'd have to spend a lot of time concentrating on a skill, something that brings me joy. And I just would, you know, I'd just be in a different space. And I think... So that's my version of what to be, is to be in flow. Mm. And obviously now I can mm. play the ukulele, which is, is kind of nice. Mm. And I guess the reason I keep dodging the question is I really don't want to be prescriptive. There's a part in the book that I wrote, the, the Procrastinator's Guide to Killing Yourself, where after you've learned how to survive, the next thing to do is stand still. 
Mm. And and here credit goes to my other sister, my big sister, Liz. Standing still is the art of doing the least you can do without doing nothing. <laughs> and I would suggest that's what, you know, the break that's coming up for you, you know, that's how to how to recharge. <sighs> Took a big, big deep breath just hearing you say that. I want to finish on something that you experienced recently that you you shared with me that's very much on this topic mm. and it just I felt like it was such a little glimpse of something that I'd I'd be keen to share it if you are, which is your seven second insight when you're driving home. <laughs> yes. That was seven seconds of I am, Ram Das style, definitely. Um Okay, so I guess the context is I'd uh, chosen this winter to get into a bit of therapy. It's been many, mm. many years since I opened the box and had a, a rummage inside. <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd been at this therapy session talking a lot about mask work, you know, about you know putting a mask on for the world and, and you know, possibly that's stemming from, you know, childhood experiences. Mm. And, um, you know, I realised that mask was everywhere, you know, so... Even in the workday, even in my job, you know, as a consultant or working in projects or in mental health, especially as a consultant, you're like, oh, I need to be the absolute best. I need to be absolutely like bulletproof brilliant. And I think yeah. a lot of us who bring a personal perspective to our work have that built in. You know, yeah. it matters so much. Yes. And and for me it was often when I was working in mental health, I'd feel like I had to make up for the fact that <laughs> I my main expertise is that I'm a fuck up. So the way that I'm going to make up for that is by being really good at my job. Yeah, definitely. And that whole, Whatever like, that means. welcome to our service. I'm sorry, it's shit. I'm going to do the best I can for you. You know, that whole oh, yeah, that burden too. of the organization. Oh, yeah. And the whole, yeah, you know, totally. sorry about the whole yeah. mental health facts, you know. I'll, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so there's this kind of growing awareness that the mask was everywhere, and um, and a lot of it was exactly what you were saying earlier. It's it, it's approval seeking, mm. which traditionally in our sort of you know current age is is you know people pleaser is the term. I think this goes mm. deeper because the approval you want is the approval you couldn't get when you were younger. So there's no way you can get it. Yes. It doesn't matter how loud that crowd scream your name on the stage. It doesn't matter how many <laughs> albums you sell, books you sell, whatever. The approval you want is a little version of you that didn't get it when it needed it. Mm. And, uh, you know, so obviously the therapist talks about, you know, I can now be the grown-up that my little self needed. I can basically give mm. that to myself because no one else can. So all this yearning and striving to be somebody is about approval that you can't get. So anyway, I'm driving home, it's rush hour, which doesn't count for much in Nelson. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> there's four cars on the road and a cow. And um, <laughs> I'm looking out over the sea and just, just in a moment of quiet sort of reflection as the, the traffic jam moves through. And for seven seconds, everything went really quiet. And I got this sense, like a voice or words, like, I don't have to be somebody. And even as I say it now, I'm just like, oh God, we could just end this podcast. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Like, I don't have to prove anything, <laughs> you know? 
Like, great if somebody likes it and gets something from it, but that's striving for people's go, oh, that's great, and really loved Graham and Gareth's chat, and any of that just all falls away, you know? Yeah. And the only reason we'll carry on is because I like talking to you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I do like the fact that some people find it useful, you know? But, oh, to yeah. take away that, it has to be great. It has to be number yes. one. It has to be yeah. perfect and beautiful and well-received. And finally, I'll get the pat on the head that, hmm. yeah, will never work. That, that's the fucking thing I'm after. <laughs> so, we, I mean, when you told me that story and you said that one line, I don't have to be somebody, my shoulders just dropped yeah. about a mile. Yeah. And... It's a curious little thing. I've thought about it a bit since you said it. I still don't know what the fuck it means, um, but maybe I don't have to. And and I think when I come back from my break, I want to come back in that in that mode of none of this has to be fucking perfect. Yeah, I, I think like the flip side, when I go back into my head and come away from the emotion of that, hmm. the balance of it is like I could try and be somebody. I could totally, I've got this song, you know, you've heard it. I've been playing with it all year. You know, I could try and make it as good as it can be and dream of being on a non-existent top of the pops, but I don't have to be. I've got a choice that, there. Yeah. Yes. And that's, and that's where I, my theory is, and we'll see, you know, as always, I try, I have all these theories about life and feelings and then I try them out. My theory is if I can touch into that place, I'll still want to do all the things because mm. it's just who I am. I want to do this shit. I want to put stuff out. I want to try and help. Want to help add my bit to the conversation. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, but to do it, if I can do it in a way where the the inevitable imperfection of it doesn't ruin the joy of the process, then then I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be better at it i'm gonna be more um yeah you've still got your yardstick of perfection though i think what you're trying to do is is maybe recalibrate what's good enough and that's fine mm. but i think to that sentiment of i don't have to be somebody there's there's a whole different level to it there's, there's the level where you go you know what i'm not doing any of it and i have had moments of that i've looked at <laughs> lots of things and i'm like fuck it a lot of that came from wanting approval that you know i can't get so I'm having to reevaluate and reassess and go, what is actually, what would I choose without that kind of striving energy? Mm. We shall see. This might be the last podcast we ever do. <laughs> <laughs> we have killed our ambition. <laughs> I do love, uh, I do love that you still haven't written this book. We joked about how on your tombstone it will say, here lies Gareth Edwards, he almost wrote The Death of Ambition. <laughs> At least he won't say, here lies Gareth Edwards, ambition killed him. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Okay, cool. <laughs>